DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha, presents Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. Pope Francis, in his encyclical letter, Lumen Fidei, The Light of Faith, said that faith's past, the act of Jesus' love which brought new life to the world, comes down to us through the memory of others, witnesses, and is kept alive in that one remembering subject, which is the Church. The Church is a mother who teaches us to speak the language of faith. In that spirit, this series of conversations with Archbishop Lucas brings the many aspects of the Catholic faith and why it matters, not only to the individual, but also to families, communities, and the world at large. Why it matters an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. In this particular episode, we begin a conversation with Archbishop George Lucas on why prayer matters. In the Catechism of the Catholic Church, St. Therese says that, For me, prayer is a surge of the heart. It is a simple look turned toward heaven. It is a cry of recognition and of love, embracing both trial and joy. God tirelessly calls each person to this mysterious encounter with himself. Prayer unfolds throughout the whole history of salvation as a reciprocal call between God and man. Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, in a series of Wednesday audiences which became known as the School of Prayer, offered this particular reflection on the need for prayer. Dear brothers and sisters, we learn to stay more in front of God, God who has revealed himself in Jesus Christ. We learn to recognize in the silence deep within ourselves the voice that calls us and leads us to the depths of our existence, the source of life, the source of salvation for us to go beyond the limit of our lives and open ourselves to the extent of God, our relationship with Him who is infinite love. Let us learn to pause longer before God who revealed Himself in Jesus Christ. Let us learn to recognize in silence, in our own hearts, His voice that calls us and leads us back to the depths of our existence, to the source of life, to the source of salvation, to enable us to go beyond the limitations of our life and open ourselves to God's dimension, to the relationship with Him, which is infinite love. We now begin part one of our conversation with Archbishop George Lucas. Why does prayer matter? Uh, it's a great question, and uh, it matters a great deal. Of course, it's right at the heart of our faith, which means it's at the heart of our relationship with God. Faith is God's gift to us, God's self-revelation, we might say, an invitation to be in a personal relationship with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Prayer is sort of the currency, we might say, that makes an exchange possible in that uh, relationship, always uh, with God's initiative, but it very much respects our own 
freedom and our own understanding of the invitation and our ability to respond. One of the first times we met, you discussed your hopes, being the new Archbishop of Omaha, that you could help facilitate an encounter with Christ for others. You, you thought the importance that people come to know Jesus Christ. And in knowing him, that really, it, that relationship with God, it, to know him is to be fostered in the heart of prayer, isn't it? Sure, the, the, the coming of Jesus, the, the gift of Jesus among us is the proof, sort of the confirmation that, that uh, God really does love us, care about us right where we are, and that God wants a relationship with us poor sinners. We don't have to do something to earn it, uh, earn that relationship, and, and we don't have to put ourselves in a, a position of, of being perfect or worthy. We, we want to be worthy, of course, but Jesus comes to be with us. The, the Son of God comes into our midst really because we're sinners and, and because we need the, the mercy of, of God. So the, we understand, among other things, in our relationship with Jesus that it's both possible and really it's desirable, but also invited on God's part that we have a personal relationship, that it be person to person, that we hear the word of God in a way that we can perceive it and understand it, that it can take root in our hearts, and that we can express ourselves to God in prayer in a variety of ways, whatever our particular situation or need or joy might be. In the larger understanding of prayer, we have a sense as Christians that all of our prayers are offered through Jesus. So he is the point of contact, we might say, with the Trinity for all of us, although in him God, Father, and Son, and Spirit are are all present to us, accessible to us in life of faith. But it's in and through Jesus in in the most particular way that in our Christian understanding, uh, we hear both the invitation of God and we see the, the means by which we can respond. It's so interesting when we reflect on the nature of prayer that even before Jesus, God the Father is reaching out, and we see that in the the teachings in Scripture. For the example of Abraham, his experience of that calling and not knowing exactly how to respond or what to respond, he just knows he needs to be engaged. Because he feels a desire uh, to respond to God, and there's no way to explain that except faith that God had revealed his presence to Abraham in some way. We don't know all the specifics of that, we presume, happened over time, or at least the, the preparation happened over, over a lifetime, so that when there was a, a very explicit invitation to follow God's plan, even though Abraham couldn't see into the future and he couldn't understand in all the details what it would mean to say yes, he, he said yes. And again, it was a, we could see it as a kind of dialogue, God asking something of Abraham, Abraham offering a response to, uh, to God to, to be part of what God was willing, planning uh, for Abraham, but what wouldn't be possible without Abraham's uh, cooperation and his explicit assent, we might say, to God's plan, which we view as a prayerful uh, response. It wasn't, he wasn't just thinking about it, but he opened his heart and responded uh, to God in a way that was clear to him and, and that God could receive as a free gift of, from Abraham. Yet with the um the experience of we hear about Abraham's response because in a very real way, it, we hear all those stories within the context of the prayer of the church, the liturgy of the church. We hear those Old Testament teachings, for example, of, even of Moses. Moses very unexpectedly 
has this encounter with God in a burning bush. Right. So prayer is, is nothing new with the coming of Jesus. There's a long tradition of God's revelation and uh, human response throughout the generations of the, of, of the Old Testament. And Moses, of course, is called by God for a specific role in the history of salvation, but he is invited to respond, and he does uh, respond freely. His first encounter with the living God in the context of the burning bush is a little mystifying to him, and so God again makes clear, makes very explicit who who he is, who God is, as he's talking to Moses, revealing himself to Moses. And then Moses has the opportunity to put his faith in what's being revealed or not, but he does. That faith, the ability to, to have faith in God is God's part of God's providence. God provides that ability, but there's no coercion in, in the case of Moses. As with Abraham, he does assent to a relationship with God and, and puts his faith in the power of God. You know, when we do hear those stories, I mean, whether it's Abraham or Moses, maybe even so many of the other prophets, they always seem to have a very big mission in the Old Testament. And is it possible for some of us, I think, when God speaks, do we have big missions? Do we have, is he asking us to do something? Or, or maybe we may even say, oh, he never would speak to me in that way. Certainly we all have a part in God's plan. In Jesus, we understand that we are invited to share in his saving mission, to fulfill the will of the Father that the kingdom of God be announced and experienced already in this world, in ourselves and in the people that we touch. So that understanding is more complete, I think, in, since the coming of Jesus, that there is a, a mission for, for each of us. But even in, as we look at the major figures of, of the Old Testament, we realize that God does call in every age certain people to whom he gives particular responsibility for leadership or for teaching or something. But in the covenant that was established with Abraham and with his descendants, God was indicating that everyone had a place as a member of his holy people. And so there, we would think that the ordinary person, whoever that would be, various times in the Old Testament, would also be in, invited to be a person of prayer, a man or woman of prayer. That wasn't something reserved only to, to Moses and Abraham, uh, but that was a, a privilege given, given to um, everyone. So there were figures. Moses is a good example. Part of his responsibility was to lead God's people in prayer, <laughs> lead them in worship and asking forgiveness. He interceded for them, of course. But he wasn't doing it just instead of them. But they were invited to be part of, of the worship and, and prayer that, that's rightly offered to God and would be schooled in it, in their understanding of how to live righteously in the covenant. Yeah, I think that those particular examples, not only in the Old Testament, but that we would see in the life of the early church, that, yes, the personal prayer is very, very important, and we'll talk more about that, I'm sure. But there is a need to be formed in that communal prayer, that there's a, it's more than just a, an obligation, but there's a real gift in that communion. I suppose the Psalms are a, a great example of that from the scriptures, prayer of God's people in the Old Testament. And it was possible for them to know and pray the Psalms privately, personally, but also that it was very much the practice that they would be prayed or sung, chanted together. Still our experience now in our time, the Psalms are part of the Mass, part of the Liturgy of the Hours, and part of our meditation of Scripture, our, our prayerful reading of Scripture when we do that, that privately. They help us understand that private prayer, personal prayer, 
and communal prayer very much go together. Two sides of the same coin, we might say it's it's all part of prayer. And in some cases, Psalms are a good example. We use some of the same words, the same prayer formulas that are effective both for our own meditation and relationship with God uh, personally, but then also in our as we take our place in the community of believers and, and offer uh, prayer and, and uh, worship to God as his holy people together. You know, one of the practices that you partake in, along with priests, deacons, religious, is the discipline of entering into the liturgy of the hours, the divine office. What's been your experience of that? What, what have you come to value in, in that encounter in prayer? I value it a great deal, and I, I have to say I've been, since I was uh, ordained a deacon and first made the commitment to pray the Liturgy of the Hours regularly, that was about 44 years ago, my appreciation of that form of prayer and of the Psalms in particular has, has grown. I was happy to do it. We take it on as an obligation. Everybody in the church is invited to use the Liturgy of the Hours at, at various times or, or regularly, but the clergy and some members of consecrated life take that as a, as a responsibility. But one of the things it, it does is allow us to, in a sense, use the Word of God, the Psalms, to, as our own words. So I think there's a, a sense of comfort and encouragement that we really are praying, communing with God at that moment because it's the, it's the way God has revealed uh, that, that prayer can be offered the, in the words, the images of the, of the Psalms. The, in the Liturgy of the Hours, we take certain times of the day, set them aside to, to pray. It helps to sanctify the day. It helps remind us we're trying to serve the Lord, uh, who it is that we're serving and, and that he's with us in, in, um, in our ministry and in, in the work that we do in our joys and sorrows, our, our challenges. Uh, I, I, uh, I'm always happy when I have the chance to pray the Liturgy of the Hours with others. We were recently together with all the priests of the Archdiocese, and so for me, an important part of our time together that we stopped the the work that we're doing, the learning that we're doing together, whatever it might be, uh, to pray the Liturgy of the Hours, we chant part of it and, and um, doing uh, that together. Again, it's the, it's the prayer of the church. It's the, the word of God that we're taking as our own word and then offering it, it back to God. It's a, I find it a very powerful experience of, uh, of prayer. The Psalms are varied, and they cover the experiences of God's people from one end to the other. And so for any of us on a given day to enter into the Psalms, I think we find ourselves there and find that very um, beautifully the words of the psalmist um, can become our own words and, and the psalmist's thoughts can be our thoughts and we offer them to God as a, a communication of our sort of a self-revelation here of where I am and, and, and how I'm praying you know, with the word of God and believe, we believe it's a pleasing offering to God. Yeah, it's really something when you think about it, because in that prayer, the Psalms, I've, I've heard it said that not only does it teach us how to pray, but maybe even more, it teaches us how to listen to God, because he reveals a lot of, of himself in those Psalms, and his joys, his sufferings, his uh, just the whole gambit, which are in, in very real way what we're experiencing in everyday life. I'm glad you mentioned that because it's it's easy for us to forget in a discussion of prayer that we uh, this communication that we enter into with God um, involves listening on our part. We're hoping that God is listening to us and we're confident that he is and that he, he receives our prayers. But it, if it is real communication, then we open our hearts and minds, our ears, and, and listen to what God is, is offering us. 
as you mentioned, the Psalms are a good example of that because it's God's revelation to us first. It's the Word of God. We can make that our own and, and offer it offer it back to God. Uh, as you said, we do hear God's expression of His care for us, His hope for us. You might say, if we put it that way, the, His challenging of us to become, grow into the people we were, were created to be. His invitation to put our trust in Him, to reject evil, to cling to to what's good. All of those thoughts and sentiments that we can make our own and become that can become part of our own prayer, God shares them with us, you might say, first in the Psalms, and, and we appropriate them. We'll return to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas in just a moment. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages, can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. A Prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, or Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. You know, I was thinking of many of those who would be called the mystical doctors of the church, whether it's Bernard of Clairvaux, uh, Bonaventure, Thomas Aquinas, Hildegard, Teresa, you name them all. They had a great love and a steeping within those psalms in the scriptures in that, that listening to that word of God revealed to that, and it seemed to fuel their prayer. Well, the scripture, of course, is one of the principal sources of prayer because it's uh, uh, an essential part of God's self-revelation. And through the uh, sacred writers, God 
uh, reveals his uh, saving plan for us in every age and has revealed it in a variety of circumstances so that as we go through life and uh, continue to hope that in the presence of God in our lives, we receive this communication from God and uh, in the scriptures we can be confident that God is speaking to us and he's speaking to us here and now. Thankfully, because of good translations, we can receive this communication of God in a language that, that we can understand. So it's no wonder that for mystics, but really for any of us, the, uh, an important foundation of a life of prayer is a, a prayerful reading and of the scriptures and a meditation on the, the words of, of scripture. For those great navigators of prayer, those who have taught us how to enter into that aspect of the spiritual journey, the role of silence in prayer too, whether it's in the liturgy of the hours or if it's at the mass or things like that, it seems to be a very important nurturing area. Sure, it's not surprising. Uh, the God's offering us a very personal relationship uh, with, with, with himself, and the only way we can understand a relationship is in human terms. How else can we understand it? But we realize that if, if we do have an important life-giving relationship with another person, that that always involves spending time together. It involves communication. And if that communication is to be real and generous, it means that I'm going to uh, share some of myself in appropriate ways, but it also means I'm going to be quiet and listen and allow the other person in the relationship uh, to, to share something with, with me. Uh, sometimes that sharing is very wordy and kind of explicit, you might say. Sometimes it's a a, a sharing of, of a presence together and a confidence that we can be together and before each other, maybe without expressing that in, in words, but, but in our presence and our attention to each other. That really gives us a, a clue uh, to what the, the relationship with God in prayer can be like and re- really must be. God reveals to us that he's present to us and, and that he cares about us, invites us to be present to God, not that we can get away from God, we might say, but to be to want to be with God so that for that to be our desire, we make that intention to be with God in, in prayer. God loves to hear us pour out our hearts, whether it's a good day or a bad day, or maybe a mix of things. But God also invites us to listen and to allow our hearts to be filled with communication from him. So as we've said, sometimes that is more wordy. Uh, so the Liturgy of the Hours would be an example of that. God is revealing his saving plan to us in the Psalms, the scriptures that are part of the Liturgy of the Hours. We pray them, make them our own, offer offer the, uh, the words, the, the prayers back to God. We also have a very powerful tradition in our Catholic life of a quieter type of prayer. Where, and many people are finding that, uh, for example, in prayer before the Blessed Sacrament. Maybe it's during uh, adoration of, when the Blessed Sacrament is exposed. Maybe it's coming into the church or the chapel, you know, to be in before the, the, uh, the tabernacle. But in and through Jesus, to, to allow ourselves to be present to God, to acknowledge the presence of God with us, and then to be able to relax a little in the presence of God, we might say, and just uh, speak to each other in the silence of our hearts in the presence that we have with each other and to know that it's a loving presence and that, it's a, that, that we want to be together but that we don't, we don't have to necessarily be saying something or, or doing something, and we can be comfortable that, that God's powerful presence with us is only loving, it's all benevolent, and we, we are consoled. And that's sometimes challenged 
too, but whatever communication we might receive, it, it, it's not necessarily in words. And in a printed word or a prayer, that would be uh, expressed verbally. Do you think we fall into uh, a trap sometimes when we think that I am going to pray at this time, this time, and this time, and that's the only time that I can listen to God? That maybe God has other plans. He wants to talk to you when you're driving in the car or there, or when you're in the middle of work or there might be, kind of, he might surprise us just like he did with Abraham, Moses, and maybe even Mary. Yeah, I would say we should count on being surprised. And part of our growth in a prayerful uh, demeanor, a prayerful habit, is to be ready uh, to, to, to be surprised. In a sense, if we're always ready, it's not so much of a surprise. But, but we do, uh, I think, can, we can develop the habit. The liturgy of the hours helps if we're praying at different times of the day. It doesn't have to be the liturgy of the hours. We can, in our own way, develop a habit of at certain times of the day, setting aside at least a few minutes to acknowledge the presence of God, to praise God, to ask for the, uh, the help that, that we need. The more often we do that, the more it becomes part of the normal rhythm of life. Then the more likely it is that we're, we're going to be conscious of, of God's presence and God's communication to us at the odd times when we're not scripting it or, or saying this is my prayer time because we're, we practice being in the presence of God and we're not always consciously praying perhaps, but we have allowed ourselves to be disposed to recognize God when he does reveal himself. So I think uh, we don't know for sure, but we can imagine how that might have been the case for Abraham through his life, that he was he prayed in different ways and at different times, and that his heart was disposed. So that when an extraordinary moment, an extraordinary revelation invitation came, he was disposed, ready to, to receive that, to recognize it. Same with Moses. We don't know what his spiritual life was like before he encountered God in the burning bush, but sense that God was preparing him. For, for that moment, so that, that he was available to come into this relationship that, w- that was being offered to him in a very, very dramatic way. As we said earlier, you know, these towering figures in Scripture, you know, who seem to have these great watershed experiences of the presence of God, but we don't think God's denying his loving presence to any of us. We might, as we think about it, be able to remember moments that were turning points in our lives, our spiritual life particularly, where we had a profound sense of the presence of God or profound clarity about the plan of God uh, for us. And maybe that came in a time of, of quiet prayer. Maybe it came while driving or shopping or something. But it certainly would have been rooted and the soil had, would have been cultivated during the, the prayerful moments, the habits of, of prayer. We become familiar with God and with God's presence in our lives and God's benevolent communication to us uh, as we have a habit of prayer so that when that communication comes at other times that we haven't planned, we recognize him. We recognize God. We recognize the, that this is a sign of, of his love, and, and we're able to respond to that the prompting um, that's coming to us at that moment. We'll continue our conversation with Archbishop George Lucas on why prayer matters in our next episode. You've been listening to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. To hear and or to download this episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. 
This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas.